Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Marley. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode. How are you Georgia and Marley? Yeah, really good, Great. thank you. How are you doing yep. Catherine? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. I, I just went shopping actually and although it's always gutting when winter's coming around because it means summer's ending, how excited are you for cute beanies on your kids? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm really excited. And just all the snuggly clothes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They just look so cute with like a bobble hat on, don't they? They do. And like yeah. all rubbed up. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. 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 Even if it means we're standing in playgrounds freezing our asses off. <laughs> yes, but you do realise in Perth this year, your winter's going to still be like 20 degrees. Do you reckon? Yeah. I haven't yeah. actually looked. We're actually at the beach today and it's only 24 degrees and I'm no word of a lie, two people on the beach are wearing like North Face puffers. Oh my God. <laughs> no know? way. And we were in our bikinis and togs so yeah. we're going to see. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, funny. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're definitely Christchurch now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what's on top for you, Marley? Um, I just got a new phone actually, so I'm quite excited about it. Um, what did you go for? I got an S21 Plus, so it's quite, I mean, it's a little bit larger than my old phone, but like the camera is so good and like it's just so much faster than everything. How good. Yeah. Yeah, really. You're a Sam, you, oh, you're both Samsung, aren't you? I'm a Samsung. I don't, you're an Oppo, aren't you, Catherine? I'm an I'm an oppo. I am. What yeah. even is that? <laughs> I know. I actually think it's bearing in mind. Like, is it Huawei is a knockoff of Samsung? I think Oppo is a knockoff of Huawei. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm oh, pretty no. sure like Oppos are quite. I don't know. They they sell them in like Vodafone and stuff like up there with Samsung and iPhones. Like they're all in the same area. You know what I mean? Yeah. I quite like it. Yeah, I don't really. I'm an I'm you... an iPhone through and through. I know. Do you know You're what? Like Apple girl. An I Georgia to the end, aren't you? You're like Mac oh. and yeah, everything Apple. Yeah, Apple Pods, MacBook. Yeah, but you have to commit, don't you? You you're either fully Apple or fully Android. Yes. I feel just for mm. like yeah. photo sharing and data yeah. sharing. And Actually, like Apple Watch. You know, it all just yeah. I can actually confidently say that if I was to buy a computer, like, well, a laptop, I would definitely get a MacBook and I'm not an Apple. Mm. Like, I love MacBooks. I hate using other computers. Yes. Yeah, so that's my exciting exciting. news, really. I mean, I just wanted it to take photos of my children and... Yes. Yeah, really cute pictures. Yeah. And, yeah, just... Yeah, so that's that's all for me this week. Cool. Georgia? Um, I just sorted through Flo's clothes that she's grown out of, and I was just thinking about how sad it is when you pack up your kids' clothes that they don't fit oh anymore. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it so – it's just a real – kind of makes you pause and think, wow, they've actually grown. I know yeah. that sounds really dumb, but mm. – <laughs> No. 
um, oh. and just you know, in the hope that we're packing it away for a future baby. Fingers yeah. crossed. Hopefully, it's just yeah, it's sad. But then I got to go through all of Harry's six to twelve month size and oh. get them all out for her to wear. So that was <clears> like a little bit nostalgic as well, really. Yeah. Oh. Do you I, find they're less I, gender neutral the older you get? Definitely. Yeah. Although I feel like. A lot of Harry's clothes are gender neutral, whereas lots of Flo's clothes that I've either been given or bought are very pink and flowery, which obviously a, a boy could still wear. But um, mm, yeah, Harry's heaps of Harry's are just like quite plain and striped. I was quite conscious when I was buying clothes to try and make yeah. them that if we ever had a girl, that it would be okay. Yeah. yeah. Someone said to me they don't think that clothes can last more than two kids, really. And I thought, oh, good quality clothes should be able to last quite a while. But I'm really, I really think that a lot of the clothes now at Hexrang I will have to bin. I would say Nature Baby definitely, definitely could get more than two kids out of that. But like the Bond stuff, probably not, to be honest. Oh, God, my Bond suits that Layla has from Mila are so thin. <laughs> They're just so yeah. thin now. Yeah. Yeah, they don't wear well Bond suits. They don't, but they're amazing. And mm. they're not too expensive, so I guess that's fine. But mm. And I think it's once they're playing at the playground, it's knees and stuff, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Catherine, what's on top for you? Um, what's on top for me is that we're going to try and give potty training a go. Good. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We're going to... I haven't actually read up anything or done any research, but I think we're going to, you know, Hughes 3 next week. Mm-hmm. We are going to, and he seems keen, so I think we're just going to go the potentially naked route or just yeah. like completely, you know, get rid of nappies and just go straight into undies and see what happens. Yeah. Because you're, you're going back to the UK, right? We are. We're going back. Yeah. We're actually, well, we're actually not going to, to England, which is crazy, but we are going to France to see Matt's family and then... My family live in Ireland, and we're going oh, to my course, best friend's yeah. wedding in Ireland. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. So would you quite so like excited. to have him trained but by the time you yes. go? So, yeah. so we're quite conscious of the fact that our parents will definitely say, uh, shouldn't he be toilet trained by now? Mm. <laughs> Which we shouldn't care, but we do. Yeah, it, yeah. Honestly. fair enough. Um, we haven't had any input from grandparents for, you know, three years in terms of, like, you know, judging our parenting. And I think we're about to get it condensed into three weeks. So <laughs> anything anything we can try and get on the front foot with, I think we will. Yeah. Oh, good idea. I'm sure he'll do fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're now like, oh, my gosh, we need to get them to eat properly at a dinner table. We need to get them to not say, like, poo all the time we need to make sure that they don't they're toilet trained and don't and like Hugh to stop his bottle but I mean I think we're just gonna have to roll with it yeah yeah mm. they'll just be so excited to see you guys they won't care about anything else yeah and I've never met Hector oh isn't it so special yeah it's pretty cool I'm excited yeah. excited to see what they think we so should we get into this week's episode we should yes. sounds great enjoy This week we're lucky enough to have Dr. Caitlin Northern with us. Caitlin lives in Napier, is married to fellow Dr. Matt, and is mama to her absolutely beautiful three-month-old Archer. 
Caitlin is a GP and partner in a practice in Napier. She studied at Otago University in Dunedin, did her clinical years in Christchurch Hospital before moving to Hawke's Bay. Caitlin then spent three years working at Hastings Hospital after graduating and completed a postgraduate certificate in women's health during a six-month placement in obstetrics and gynecology. Gosh, it's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) You've done so much. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, yeah. Um, In 2018, she started her GP training and recently became a fellow of New Zealand College of GPs, meaning that after 12 years, she has finally finished training. Congratulations. Yay, thank you. Caitlin has been a great resource for us on COVID info, vaccines and contraception. And today she has been kind enough to agree to talk to us about all things periods. Thank you so much, Caitlin. So before we begin, congratulations are in order for everything and for the birth of your gorgeous son, Archer. How is it all going for you? Oh, thank you. And thanks for having me on. Um... Yeah, gosh, it's it's such a ride, isn't it? <laughs> going from yeah, going from just being totally independent <laughs> and doing whatever you want to suddenly mm. having a baby and, and life is very different. Um, but no, we've been very lucky with him. Um, basically, had a dream birth, which was nice. So it kind of started everything off on the right oh, foot. That's um, so great. Yeah, yeah, and he's been a pretty laid back baby. He's kind of. He's still happy, but I wouldn't call him laid back anymore. He's very demanding. He tells tells you what he wants to be doing. <laughs> and he's not impressed if your intention's not on him 100% of the time. Um, like most yeah, boys. The, yeah. Yeah, 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 maybe. <laughs> um, and the sleep's not been great lately, but we'll get there, hopefully. <laughs> or, or just the phase, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sending you lots of um, sleepy mm. dust. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah, lots of coffee. <laughs> mm. um, so what made you want to become a GP? I guess um, during high school and as a kid, I probably considered just about every career under the sun. But being a doctor was something that I always sort of came back to. And I think in the context of being a doctor, I just always imagined that a GP was what I would be. I had I had a really cool GP growing up and so I kind of looked up to him and thought that that would be quite a fun job being able to help people and then going through med school and doing my years in the hospital I think there was just never one particular thing that I felt like I could fully commit myself to um, I love love paediatrics love babies love childbirth and gynecology and all that sort of thing and I couldn't ever see myself only doing one of those things for the rest of my career so GP works really well being able to just do a bit of everything and look after multiple generations of the same family as well Mm. so yeah it's really cool. Mm. Does that not make it so hard though I feel like as a GP you'd have to be across everything. Yeah and Definitely that was one of the things that I found really, really difficult when I first started, and I still find it difficult, Um, just that you have all these patients booked in with you, and you have no idea usually what each patient's coming in to see you for, and it feels really confronting, especially initially when you're not very confident that you don't want to say mm. that you don't know or have to look mm. something up and then they go and tell their friends oh the doctor doctor had to google what was wrong with me <laughs> but I think that's luckily something that you kind of get a bit more used to and start to become a bit more co- um, comfortable with with not having to know everything yeah 
Mm. Oh, that's a thing. Like, how how could you know everything? Yeah. No. Yeah. So many weird and wonderful things. (laughs) I just can't believe how much or how important the GP has become in our lives since we had children. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because you just you just don't know, and they get sick really quickly, and they get better really Mm. quickly, though, don't they? And I feel like I never went to the GP pre-children, and now. We end up going, oh, probably like once every three months. Yeah. With yeah. one of them. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Used a lot. Um, so we're hoping that you could help us and our lovely listeners understand a little bit more about menstrual cycles. So first off, why is it that we ovulate and then why do we have a period? So talking through what what a standard menstrual cycle is... On average, it lasts about 28 days, but it can vary a bit either side of that. And it can be anywhere between 21 and 40 days. And it's also normal for one person's cycle to vary by up to five days each month. And that would still actually be considered a regular cycle. Mm. There's two phases of it, and each of those phases are about two weeks long. So the first phase is called the follicular phase. And that refers to the growing and development of the follicle, which is which is the egg. It releases the egg. And then um, during that first phase, the endometrium or the lining of the uterus is gradually building up and building up. And then the midpoint is usually about day 14, but that can vary from person to person, obviously. And it's that first half of the cycle that's the part that varies. So usually the second half of the cycle is is relatively fixed at about two weeks, but the Mm. first half of the cycle is the part that will vary. Say if you had a 40-day cycle, that's that first half of the cycle that's going to be much longer, whereas usually the second half of the cycle is still around about two weeks. Okay. So ovulation is that midpoint around about day 14, and that's triggered by a hormone from the brain called LH, Now, if anyone's ever tested ovulation for when you're trying to get pregnant, um, the sticks that you pee on, LH is the hormone that they're testing for. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, so you get the peak of of LH, and then about 24, 48 hours later is when the egg is going to be released, hopefully. Mm. Not always, but usually the egg will then get released a couple of days later. Once that LH surge has happened and the ovulation has happened, then that's what kind of triggers the second half of the cycle. Yeah, it's called the luteal phase, which is because it's driven by the corpus luteum or the scar on the ovary from where you've ovulated. Oh. And that what that what that means is that ovulation is super important for that second half of the menstrual cycle. So if you don't ovulate that second half of the cycle can't really happen properly because you don't have that corpus luteum there to actually drive it and to drive right. the hormonal changes. Mm. And that can be a big cause of, of menstrual cycles not going as they should or not being a normal cycle mm. because you haven't ovulated and so you don't have that corpus luteum there to drive it. Yeah, right. Um, the hormones that are produced by that corpus luteum help to maintain the thick lining of the uterus, the endometrium, and that's preparing preparing the uterus to hopefully host a fertilised egg. Right. At the end of that luteal phase, if there hasn't been any fertilised egg come and implant itself in the uterus, then that's what will trigger a period starting. 
Mm-hmm. Isn't it so yeah. crazy? Like, I've been getting my period for how many years and you don't actually know what's happening? No, like, no. Do, but not like that. The specifics, yeah. the actual yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's so great to hear about it like think of it in two phases because I've never thought of that before you just think of like rough cycle days but that's mm. it's great to think about it in two phases just um just a quick curveball in relation to COVID and the vaccine I was just wondering that has you know how they're saying it's increasing your menstrual cycle is it between one and five days on average mm. and so is that increasing the first part or the second part of your cycle I don't actually know, but I imagine it would be the first part because yeah. usually, usually for one person, their luteal phase will be a pretty fixed length. Okay. Um, so the textbooks will say that it's fourteen days long, but it can definitely vary by a few days either side, and that's why it can actually be really helpful for people to test for ovulation when they're trying to get pregnant, mm. because if you're using an app or something, it'll just assume that your luteal phase is fourteen mm. days and that you're always going to ovulate right in the middle of your cycle. But that's actually not the case for a lot of people, and that can mean yeah. that they do struggle to get pregnant because they're missing mm. that ovulation. So, yes, I, I assume that it must be the, the first half mm. of the cycle that will be affected by it. And they think that it's due to the immune system affecting, affecting the menstrual cycle. Ah, and what other things could change the length of it from month to month? Is it just stress or... Yeah, weight? that can definitely affect it. Um, it can, you know, it's normal for it to vary a little bit. Um, but things like polycystic ovary syndrome would be a big one that makes it vary from month to month. Mm. Um, or if you're having cycles where you're not actually ovulating, then that can make it vary hugely as well. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Oh, good to know. Um, so when we talk about periods, what is a normal period? And when should we be concerned that our period could be abnormal? So a normal period will last about five to seven days. And I guess the other thing that's important to say is that when we're talking about days of the menstrual cycle, day one of the menstrual cycle is day one of your period starting or, or of, of proper bleeding. Oh, okay. So, yeah, five to seven days roughly, but it can be a few days either side of that, and that's totally normal. If we're talking about volumes of blood, it's around about 60 mils per menstrual cycle, which is only about th- two or three tablespoons and it always seems like a lot more than that doesn't it you know you you think about why does it take that long changing pads and tampons and it just seems like all of this blood but actually it's not very much and probably as people are getting more used to using menstrual cups and things you do start to realize more and more that it's actually not a huge amount of blood Mm. but it definitely seems like it (laughs) oh my gosh it really does yeah 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 and in terms of um, pain and things like that yeah. with periods, what's normal? So I would say it's definitely normal to have a little bit of pain. Mm-hmm. Usually people will notice a little bit of cramping, say one or two days before they start bleeding, and then it might be a bit crampy on those first couple of days of the bleeding as well. But it should be really manageable. You should be able to just take a couple of Panadol or a couple of ibuprofen mm. and go about your normal day and not be not be too affected by it certainly down the more severe end of what we would still call normal people might be having a few days where they're having to take quite regular pain relief 
but definitely you shouldn't have to be taking days off work or days off school or anything like that if if it's affecting your daily life or if you're taking those simple painkillers and it's not enough if you're needing stronger things like codeine or tramadol then that's definitely not normal and that's when people should go and talk to their doctor Mm -hmm. there's been so much in the news at the moment about endometriosis Mm. isn't there and um it just seems like it's really hard for people to get it diagnosed and get the support that they need. If you, mm. as a GP, mm. are you finding that as well? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of a mixed a mixed bag in terms of what cause causes that. Right. Something that I often like to explain to people when they're first coming to me about pelvic pain or painful periods is the fact that for the most part, it actually doesn't matter. right at the start definitely further on it does matter but initially it doesn't matter too much whether we diagnose it as endometriosis or whether it's just really painful periods because the way that we would manage that is actually exactly the same regardless of what the underlying cause is definitely you know people are really keen to know whether they've got endometriosis or not and that is important because as we know it can affect your fertility Mm -hmm. but you know, there's, there's a huge spectrum in terms of pelvic pain and in terms of severi- severity of endometriosis. And actually, if you're managing the pain and the symptoms of endometriosis, then you are managing the underlying cause of it as well. So right. things like being on, a, being on the pill or having a marina or something like that, if that's managing the symptoms of endometriosis, then that's the key thing. Mm, right. It's really when when people's pain and symptoms of it aren't being managed adequately and you've tried a few of those those simple things that we can do that's when it really gets to the point that we need to pursue the diagnosis of endometriosis mm-hmm. or if it's affecting people's fertility and that sort of thing then definitely needs needs to be diagnosed i've i've read that the average time for diagnosis is 7 years and oh yeah, that, that definitely seems too long wow. and I, I hope that we're getting better at at recognizing when there is something that's not quite right and mm. taking people's pe- pelvic pain more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. Such a long so time. So, what point would you suggest people going to the GP for an abnormal period? I think yeah, if it's getting to the point where it's interfering with your daily life and you're not mm. able to, not able to just take some over-the-counter painkillers. If yeah, it's causing you to miss out on activities that you'd like doing, mm. sports, work, that sort of thing, um, or it's really interfering with your quality of life, then mm. absolutely. Mm. Or even if I it's not, say, you know, even if you're just a bit unsure, then definitely go and go and see your doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're quite happy to tell you that that it's fine and you know that you don't need to worry about it. That's a nice consultation. I like being able uh, to just tell people, yes, this is normal, it's fine. Yeah. Oh. It's lovely to have a bit of reassurance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, you know, if people have been to see their GP and they've, you know, maybe they've been given a prescription for the pill or something like that and it's not working, then definitely go back. I think sometimes there's a tendency for people to think, oh, I've already seen the doctor about this and and they did this and it hasn't worked, so I've just got to put up with it. But there's almost always something else that we can try. And, you know, and we tend to keep things up our sleeve as well. It's You've only got 15 minutes, so you can't tell people 
all you know all 10 different options that are available to them so it's just a matter of working through it step by step and Mm. yeah usually there's something else that we can try Mm. and if you're having irregular periods or spotting or anything like that should you wait for a few months to see if it regulates or would you go straight to the gp I think it depends how much it's bothering you because certainly I have some patients who have really irregular periods and I think, oh gosh, if I if I was bleeding like that, I just couldn't handle it and I would definitely want to do something about it. Mm. But you know, sometimes people are just quite happy to be told that it's fine and and they'll they'll just manage it. And if if it's not interfering with your life and you're not trying to get pregnant or anything like that, then it's not necessarily something that needs to be looked into. Right things that we would that we would be worried about in terms of irregularity is if if you're having almost constant bleeding then that's obviously a big concern oh my god um, that'd be awful <laughs> yeah. oh, i hope someone would go to the gp about that yeah yeah hope, i i would hope so too but yeah you know it's surprising what what some people will just Put soldier with, on through yeah. yeah um so yeah that's that's definitely something that we should do something about or at the other end of the spectrum if you're only having one, two, three periods a year, then that's also something that we would want wow. to want to do something about. Mm-hmm. Oh. So um, I shared in my birth stories before that I have PCOS. Would you be able to share a bit about what this is and how it can affect your cycle? Yeah, sure. So polycystic ovary syndrome is pretty complex and to be honest I don't even fully understand it myself um basically it's to do with an imbalance of hormones and and it's lots of different hormones hormones not just the sex hormones the the name talks about having lots of cysts on your ovaries but actually you can have polycystic ovary syndrome without having any cysts on your ovaries Mm -hmm. and you can have lots of cysts on your ovaries without having polycystic ovary syndrome right just so complicate yeah. things. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a lot more to it than that. Yeah. They think that actually the main underlying cause of it is your body not not processing or not responding to insulin properly. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. for most people anyway, that's actually what drives the underlying imbalance of hormones which come from the brain to, to signal to the ovaries. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, so there's an imbalance of the hormones that drive ovulation. Yeah. So I talked about the hormone LH, which which surges a couple of days before you ovulate and, and triggers that. So in PCOS, you have a relative relatively lower amount of LH, which means that you can get these kind of smaller surges that aren't actually triggering you to ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so you can end up just stuck in that first half of the menstrual cycle for months and months and months sometimes yeah. and never actually ovulating to get into that second half of the cycle mm-hmm. and that can be why people don't end up having periods for a long period of time because they don't have that ovulation and that doesn't then manage to trigger to trigger the period right hmm. the first half of the cycle has a much higher level of estrogen so you end up just kind of being i've seen it referred to as estrogen dominant you're yeah you're estrogen dominant for most of the time if you're only having a period every few months mm. and that's yeah and then that that can certainly lead to to certain symptoms yeah um right. i mentioned the insulin resistance as well so that affects the way that your body metabolizes carbohydrates 
and the way that you get your energy. Is that like related to diabetes? Yeah, so people who have polycystic ovary syndrome are at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes over time. So that's definitely something that needs to be monitored. And people with PCOS often do respond to not necessarily a low-carb diet, but being a bit more careful. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can still eat bread, don't worry. (laughs) But just being a bit more conscious of of which carbohydrates you're having and making sure that those are I don't like using good and bad but Mm. what we might think of as good carbohydrates which are things like non-starchy vegetables and that sort of thing that have lots and lots of other nutrients and vitamins in them not just white bread yeah, yeah. Marley's wondering about hash browns. Yeah, aren't you? <laughs> I love hash browns. Oh, you can definitely have some oh, hash browns. Great, awesome. <laughs> I would be so sad. Oh, I'm no, I'm such a proponent of of no foods ever being off limits. So <laughs> definitely don't interpret what I'm saying uh, as, as having to avoid anything. Um, that's really funny though, because my um, well, not funny, but just strange. Like before, um. When, before I got pregnant with my first, I my period was like every four months-ish. And then I had my first baby. And then like my period came back monthly, like to the dot. Like, and it, wow. it, was, it did. It was like that for 18 months. And then I obviously got pregnant again. Um, and I'm still waiting for it to come back. But before that, it, yeah, it was just like so, like it was just really all over the show and then after having Mila it just was like back to being normal which I hadn't had since I was very young so I don't know what what that means (laughs) but yeah yeah that's interesting usually it's the other way usually people will find that especially if for people who are breastfeeding their Mm. periods can be really irregular after Mm. having their babies yeah and that's because prolactin which is the hormone that that drives breastfeeding yeah that interferes with the menstrual cycle Mm. and again you can end up having these cycles where you don't ovulate yeah which can make them be a bit all over the place Mm. the other the other factor is that people often will have been on contraception for many years prior to having babies and so you know a lot of people aren't even familiar with what their natural cycles are like Mm. if they were fortunate enough to get pregnant quickly yeah it's still just but, amazing, the female body. Just oh god, yeah, oh. yeah. Sometimes having a baby just fixes. Yeah, things. right. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm Everything. still still waiting for the ne- for this one to come back. But yeah, it'd be good if yeah. We on that, <laughs> when when can we expect our periods to return after birth? It's so it's very variable. So any bleeding within the first eight weeks isn't considered a period, and you get what they what we probably all remember the lochia which is the bleeding after after birth Mm -hmm. that can go anywhere up to about eight weeks but usually within the six week mark that's Mm -hmm. finished Mm -hmm. and then anything after that eight week mark is considered a period people who aren't breastfeeding often do tend to then get their period back quite soon after that Mm -hmm. but if you're breastfeeding then that definitely delay delays things and when in terms of when your period comes back for those who are breastfeeding it just I don't think anyone can really know Mm. until it does come back it's yeah 
I've heard of people who are breastfeeding their toddler once a day at a year and a half, two years, and they still don't have their period back. Oh, my God. But then I've also, yeah, I've also heard of people who are fully breastfeeding a three-month-old and their period comes back. Oh, oh God, that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think it must just be each person's individual body and, yeah. and how sensitive you are to those hormones. Yeah. Mm. So I guess as soon as your period comes back, you're, you're fertile. Pretty much. So actually, because obviously usually you would have ovulated prior to getting your period, actually postpartum and especially when you're breastfeeding, usually that first cycle is one where you haven't ovulated. So only about 8 to 30% of first periods will actually be one where you've ovulated that Mm -hmm. cycle. But certainly after you've had that period, then then you can safely assume that you're fertile again. Because lots, I keep hearing, like I've heard a lot of people say breastfeeding doesn't obviously stop you from getting pregnant again. But if you are breastfeeding and you haven't got your period, so that technically it does stop you from getting pregnant again or not. Yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. And... And actually, but is that a useful like? Is that a good form of contraception if you haven't got Mm. your period and you're still breastfeeding? Surprisingly, yes. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's good to know. (laughs) Because I obviously like, you know, you just stress about these things all the time, and I have at the same point in um, my postpartum journeys with both around seven months I get phantom kicks and I've been getting them (laughs) I have been getting them all the time for the last month and I remember asking you Catherine about these phantom kicks the first time and you said you had had a little bit of them but I'm always like oh my god like this I don't have a stomach but like why am I getting these phantom kicks so it's good it's reassuring to know that I don't have my period yeah yeah, no the there's certainly a few criteria that you want to kind of stick to and, and after that six month mark it's it's significantly less reliable. But yeah, yeah actually breastfeeding <laughs> <laughs> actually breastfeeding is a surprisingly effective contraceptive. Good to know. Great. We'll talk about that more in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, with breastfeeding but why do our periods change after having a baby and do they eventually go back to normal or is it just the new normal so as far as I'm aware there's not any sort of specific physiological change that's caused by the pregnancy that actually causes them to change I think it's more just the fact of um that people have often been on contraceptives beforehand and so they they haven't had what's what's a normal period I guess mm. for a while prior to having a baby and and yeah and the, and the breastfeeding really interfering with it as well usually right because mm. mm. just anecdotally I feel like everyone I speak to including myself say they're a lot worse after you've had a baby is that something you see a lot of true well yeah certainly people can find that their periods tend to get worse over time okay Yeah, a lot of people will notice that their periods get worse in their 30s, getting maybe heavier or getting more painful. Mm. So that can definitely be quite common. Or there can be, sometimes there's underlying causes of them getting worse as well. Mm. For instance, fibroids start to get more common 
when you get into your 30s and so sometimes it could be that there's some other factor that's not related to childbirth at all mm. that's just or that's just happened to come in during that time yeah gosh oh. hang on been through enough yeah, yeah. um yeah. can i just clarify do your periods just get worse and worse and worse until you hit the menopause not necessarily oh. <laughs> no no I mean for a lot of people they'll just they'll just stay the same but oh, I definitely yeah. I do have patients come and tell me that their periods have got worse and mm. worse over time yeah and especially for people with endometriosis and that sort of thing as yeah. well will often find that they get that they can get worse over time oh so unfortunately how do we best manage heavy or painful periods whether you're postpartum or not What's the best way to go about it? So there's quite a few different options. There's some options are hormonal options, which includes contraceptives. Mm. And then there's some non-hormonal options, which can be quite good. Say if you're not wanting to be on a contraceptive or if you're wanting to actually get pregnant again. So some of the contraceptive options or hormonal options that can be helpful. My personal favourite is the Marina. Mm which is so the progesterone IUD intrauterine device um I think that marinas are great and Mm. we can we can talk about those a bit more when we talk about contraception Mm -hmm. but they're excellent for managing heavy bleeding and they're really good for managing painful periods Mm. as well so if someone is interested in having a marina then that's pretty much always what I'll recommend Mm -hmm. if they're not interested in having a marina then a lot of the other contraceptives will help but it can be a bit more variable. And there's also, we can just give people Provera, which is a type of progesterone, and that can help. Uh, or we can do other things like giving medications, giving giving painkillers. Anti-inflammatories tend to be the best ones, but there are, diff- there are good ways of taking them that mean that they're more helpful so usually I recommend starting taking it regularly a day or two before you normally get the pain coming on Mm. and there's been yeah studies have shown that they actually work a lot more effectively if you start taking it before the pain even starts Mm -hmm. okay oh that's really good to know that's so interesting really really it it really is I feel like we're learning loads yeah and I'm (laughs) every time I'm hearing you say something I'm just like god men are so inferior like (laughs) (laughs) why so simple why do they not have um like to deal with any of this shit we do but i mean it yeah it's because they're so simple so (laughs) (laughs) yeah poor men they're so simple that's totally it um so caitlin we like to finish by asking our guests what is one parenting item that you couldn't live without? So this is probably really basic, but I really love my pram. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an Edwards & Co., so I'm not exactly going out on a limb. Mm-hmm. Most people have got one, mm. but I really, really like it, and especially the carry cot attachment. Yeah. I mm. nearly didn't buy it because I thought, oh, it's a bit superfluous. You can just use the seat and recline it flat, but... 
um, Archer rejected his beautiful cane bassinet that I bought at oh. 14 weeks pregnant. Oh. So <laughs> he sleeps in it now, but for the first month mm. he wouldn't sleep in it at all. So he slept in the carry cot attachment of the pram for the first month. Nice. And actually it was really good because we could settle him in the pram out in the lounge and then just like ever so carefully wheel him into the bedroom when we were ready <laughs> to go to bed. So <laughs> actually it suited us quite well. I it's agree. so funny what you end up doing, isn't it? Like you'd never picture yourself doing that pre-children, you know, like no, in the pram in the no. room, like carrying it into your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I know. Anything to get a bit more sleep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy Grail. <laughs> Thank you so so much for um, chatting to us today about periods. That's yes. so helpful. We've learned Thank lots, you. and it's. <laughs> Good. It's great just to get a bit of insight into, I guess, fertility and things like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it really is, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today, everyone. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, we would really love it if you could follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts. Keep an eye on our Instagram to see our exciting guests for next week. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. See you guys. Bye. Bye.